0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, hey, let's pray. We're going to get into the word this morning. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for your word. Lord, we thank you that it's life to us. We thank you that it shines a light on our path and shows us exactly how to live and what to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, we're in part two of a series we began last week. We're calling it a new way for a new day. Everybody, say a new way way. for a new day. A new new way for a new day. And and I tell you what, I'm I'm excited about this message um, this morning, and I believe it's going it's going to help us. I believe it's going to put us on a road to greater things. How many of you want greater things in your life? Greater things and. And so it's going to put us on a road to greater things. And so I want you to notice this with me in John, the 13th chapter, John chapter three and verse one is the scripture we looked at last week. And we're going to look at it and we didn't quite finish last week. So we'll finish part one this week. This is part two, but we're finishing part one. So it's kind of part two, (laughs) okay, but it's, we're extending part one, so so, anyway, doesn't matter, does it? So, if you're taking notes, notice this in John 13:1, It says, before the Passover celebration. Now, uh, the, the Passover celebration was something that, that occurred first, a couple of thousand years prior to this. And, uh, and so, let me just kind of bring you up to the speed on what the Passover was. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 12, but, but it's, it's when the children of Israel... Were delivered from slavery from Egypt. Now, God had told Abraham way back in Genesis 12, he said, I'm going, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. In other words, I'm going to make you famous. And I'm going to bless every nation through you. So I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a, a blessing to all the nations. And well, this is, this is kind of an outlandish promise for someone who had no one and who was standing in the middle of nowhere. But yet God told him, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you famous. And through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Now, Israel did anything other than that. They weren't blessing any nations. They were conquering nations. They were shedding blood. Y'all, y'all say they weren't. No, they weren't. They weren't, you see, the the covenant that God made Abraham was different than the covenant that God made with the children of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt. And we're not going to get into it, but God's promise to Abraham is through you, I'm going to bless the nations. The covenant to, to Israel obey me, and I'm going to do this for you. Okay. And so God's covenant with Abraham was dependent all upon God. God's covenant with Israel was dependent upon if Israel obeyed or not. Two different things. And so anyway, he so said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. All right. And so the, the Passover, the, the Israel, they, they migrated to Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they, they multiplied to nation status. I mean, they grew and they Multiplied, and so instead of Pharaoh running them out of Egypt, he put them to work. How many of you know the story? Y'all seen the Ten Commandments, and y'all 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 watched the movie. He put them to work, and and they were slaves in Egypt for 430 years, and they were you know they were tasked with very hard labor and very poor working conditions, and it was just a horrible horrible life for them. But God tapped Moses on the shoulder. He said, "I want you to I want to send you in to Egypt." And we're going you're gonna, you're gonna deliver my my people out of Egypt, and so there were signs and wonders, and I mean there were frogs and there were locusts, and the water was turned into blood. How many of you remember those those signs and wonders? And still, Pharaoh wouldn't let his people go. And so one last one, God told told Abraham, He said, "This is how you're gonna bring them out." He said, on this particular night, I want everybody to take a, a, a lamb or a goat of the first year. It's got to be a male goat. It can't have any defects in it. can't have any flaws in it. Take care of it because I want, you're going to kill this, this goat. You're going to kill this uh, lamb. You're going to roast it, and you're going to eat it. And you're going to take some of the blood, and you're going to put it over the doorpost." And he said, on this night, the death angel is going to come through, and it's going to kill every firstborn of every house that doesn't have that blood over the door. Y'all remember that story? Okay. And so it happened just like that. They, they ate that lamb, and God brought them out. There were 600,000 men plus women and children. God brought them out of slavery. They had been in slavery for 430 years. He brought them out with silver and gold. Wasn't anybody sick among them. That's a miracle. Right? And so he he delivered them out of slavery. And so that first Passover, it it signaled a brand new day for the children of Israel. How many of you think it'd be a new day if you've been in slavery for 430 years and then all of a sudden, man, you're out? They were out, right? But just coming out of Egypt, they had to change their ways. How many of you know they had to change their way of thinking? Because, I mean, they were used to just somebody telling them what to do and they do it. Now they're kind of, you know, they've got this invisible mobile God who's supposed to be leading them. Right, and so they, he led them for a little while, and then all of a sudden, hey, we want a king like every all, all the other nations. We want to be like all the cool kids, and we want our king, and we need this visible king to lead us around and tell us what to do. And a whole, whole another story, but anyway, God brought them out, and it, it required them to have some new ways. Well, this Passover in John thirteen that Jesus is referring to, you know, it was it was days it was right in this week of the of the Passover celebration, and and this was going to be the final one because how many of you know that Jesus is our Passover lamb? The word tells us, 1 Corinthians 5, that Christ, our Passover, is crucified for us. I mean, he was, he was not the type in the shadow. He was the real deal, right? Right. He was the lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. And so God, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt as a type and a shadow for us. Now Jesus is saying, hey, there's a new day dawning on you. And he's talking to his 12 disciples. There's a new day dawning. And this new day is going to require some new ways out of you. There's going to have to be some new ways. And so that's what Jesus was referring to. He was talking about some, a new way for a new day. Now, now, this new way for a new day was not something that they were going to graduate from at a certain point. These were, these were, these were ways, these were principles, these were empowering values that they were to cultivate for the, ver- the rest of their life. And so these things weren't going to pass away. They were going to last until the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus was telling them, look, I'm I'm going away. And he said this over and over in in chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Jesus was saying, I'm going away. Now this is what I want you to do. I'm going to just be here for a little while longer, but then this is what I want you to do. And he said this over and over again in these five chapters. I'm going away. This is what I want you to do. And this is what we're supposed to be doing today. This is how we occupy our time on the earth. These are the things that we're supposed to be doing. So Jesus starts out with this. And when we looked at this last week, Jesus starts out talking to them about serving each other. So he's talking to them about this Passover. I'm going to only be with you for a little while. He knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that he's about to be executed. He knows all this. He said, now this is what I want you to do. And so he, 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 he takes his outer robe off, he puts a towel around his waist, he gets a basin of water, he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Peter said, You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, If I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. He said, Then wash my hair, wash my hands. I mean, wash, you know, I, I want to be clean. So, uh, So anyway, Jesus is, he's washing their feet. And then in verse 12, it says this after washing their feet, he put on his robe again. He sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand out of all the things that Jesus could say? You know, some, I've preached this before that Jesus last command ought to be our first concern. I mean, the, the very last things that he, the very last thing that he said should be our first concern. Well, his last commands came way back here in John 13. He began to talk to them, this is what I want you to do. When I leave, this is what I want you to do. How many of you believe that's important? This is what I want you to do. And and the very first thing that he begins to tell them, this is what I want you to do, he began to tell them, serve. He said, do you understand what I was doing? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that's who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Now, this, was, this is powerful. Now, this wasn't just a, he, he's telling them to serve. This is not just a, a task that Jesus is trying to burden them with. This is not just something he's trying to burden them with. This is an attitude of heart that he is trying to impart to them. This was not some burden for Jesus to serve. He didn't serve unhappily. I mean, he wasn't, oh, I've got to wash these disciples' feet. I mean, they ought to be washing my feet. i got to wash their feet. I mean, after all, I am the Lord. I am the teacher. And even beyond that, I'm God. I've been here a while. They ought to be washing my feet. No, it wasn't like that. Right? Why? Because he had an he had an attitude of servitude. He had an attitude about him to serve other people. Right? He had an attitude of servitude. As a matter of fact, it says this in uh, Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verse five. You want to, if you want to turn there with me, Philippians two, verse five. We looked at this last week, but but Paul said this. He said we need to have the same attitude. That Christ Jesus had, though he was God, how many of you know that he was God, though he was God, he did not think that equality with God was something to cling to, but he humbled himself and he became as a servant, right? He became as a servant. So Jesus, he, he, he was equal with God, but he didn't think that was something to cling to. He humbled himself and he began to serve. Everybody say an attitude of servitude. An attitude of servitude, and you're gonna see, uh, I'm believing, why this is gonna be so important for you and I to develop in our life, for us to develop in this church, is to have an attitude of servitude. Out of everything that Jesus could have left them with first, he said, This is what, this is first on the list. You need to cultivate an attitude of servitude, you need to become a servant. And there is reasons why so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three reasons why we need to cultivate this attitude of servitude. Number 1, an attitude of, of servitude is one of the, the defining characteristics of Christlikeness. Now this we we kind of covered this last week. It's one of the defining characteristics of Christlikeness. You say, "Well, I want to I want I I want, I want to be like Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in me." I want people to see Jesus in me. Well, a lot of times, well, we want we, we want people to see the power, and that's fine. That's fine. We want people to see the miracles, and that's fine. But one of the defining characteristics of Christlikeness is serving, is servitude. When people, when when we serve in in love, when we serve in humility. People see Jesus because that's who he was. That's who he was. So it, it, uh, it, it's one of the defining characteristics of Christlikeness. likeness In Luke 22, he, he even said this. He said, I am among you as one who serves. He said, I'm, I'm Lord, I'm, I'm teacher, and I'm God, but I'm one among you. Who serves. So, number one, an attitude of servitude is one of the defining characteristics of Christ's likeness. Number two, an attitude of servitude qualifies me for promotion. Now, how many of you are not, are not interested in promotion? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you are interested in promotion? You and I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking something as temporary as your earthly employment. I mean, in contrast, what he's talking about, it makes your earthly employment, there's nothing wrong with it, but I mean, he's not talking about earthly employment. He's talking about about promotion in the kingdom of God. Something that's going to be around a long, long time. And so an, an attitude of servitude qualifies me for promotion. In God's kingdom, notice this with me in First Peter the fifth chapter. First Peter, fifth chapter. Now you, you're going to see something that I mean, you, you're going to get really interested in this when you see it. Okay, First Peter the fifth chapter. In verse one, something very interesting about Peter. How many of you remember him in the very beginning? Peter was he was very brash. Uh, you could even say he was prideful. I mean, you think about it, Jesus talking to him about going to the cross. He said, oh, you're not going to the cross. And what did Jesus have to say? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right? I mean, you're not going to wash me. <laughs> right? If nobody else is going to get out of the boat, I'll get out of the boat. So, so Peter, he, he could be a little, little brash, And maybe a little bit prideful. Now, I want you to notice this in verse 1 of 1 Peter 5. It says this. Peter's writing. He says, and now a word to you who are elders in the churches. Now, elder is not just an older person. Elder is someone who's in leadership in in churches, in, in in the body of Christ. He said, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witnessing to the sufferings of Christ. I mean, Peter could have said in his old days, he probably would have said, hey, I was there with him. Hey, I, was, uh, I wasn't just part of the 12. I was in the inner circle. Me, James, and John. And if Jesus really wanted to get something accomplished, he called us three to the side and he talked to us. But he didn't talk about any of this. He said, I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. Now get this. As a fellow elder, I mean, Peter didn't exalt himself. He said, we're peers. I'm not greater than you. I'm not more important than you. He said, as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own example. And when the great shepherd appears you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So that was to preachers and pastors and stuff. Verse 5, in the same way you younger men accept the authority of the elders. Now get this, and all of you. Everybody say all of you. All all of you. Say say all of you, all of you. Includes me. All of you, all of you serve each other in humility. All of you serve each other in humility for, get this, God opposes the proud. That scripture shows up a bunch of times. He opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. You know, it's not enough just to say you're humble. Right? Well, I'm humble. Well, how do we know? (laughs) How do we know? Probably not since you mentioned it. <laughs> right? A lot of people are proud of their humility, Which is what? Pride. And, and so he says, uh, "And all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud. He resists the proud. but favors. The humble. Anybody in here want God's favor on your life? I mean, you just, you want his favor. You want his grace on your life. I don't know about you. I do. I, I want his grace on my life. I want his favor on my life. And you do too. You, maybe you don't know it, but you do. So but he opposes the proud. He favors the humble. And, and so this is all in co- connection to you and I serving each other. It's in connection with you, you and I serving each other. God opposes the proud. He favors the humble. And then he says, look, look, I know you all want the, you want the favor of God. You want God's favor on your life. So I'm going to show you how to get God's favor on your life. And so he just spells it out for them. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. That's promotion, friends. He said, I will lift you up in honor. Anybody want to be lifted up in honor? Huh? Not a trick question. (laughs) Lifted up and not, do you want to be lifted up in honor? God's favor on your life lifted. I'm not talking you lifting you up. I'm talking about God lifting you up in honor. Amen. Amen. Lifts you up in honor. And this is all about, this is not about a position this is not about a title. This is about influence. This is about influence. This is about you and I having greater influence in our life to reach people for Christ. He said, I will lift you up in honor. So how do we get, how are we going to be lifted up in honor? Well, we're not going to do it ourselves. We're not going to crack, scratch and claw and we're not going to climb over people and we're not going to put other people down so we can look better. We're not going to put somebody else's light out so ours looks like it shines brighter. What are we going to do? We're going to humble ourselves and serve in humility. And he said, if we'll do that, there's no, the, I mean, the devil can't stop God lifting you up in honor and giving you more influence. So why why is it necessary? why do we need to to cultivate this this attitude of servitude because it qualifies us for a promotion. It qualifies you and I to have more influence to reach more people, to be more effective in the kingdom of God, to be more effective on your job, to be more effective as salt, more effective as light, more effective as an ambassador for Christ, more effective And this is all connected to serving. Very first thing that Jesus talks to him about, it's all connected to serving. And so we're going to circle back around to to this thought, but I need to give you number three. And then we're going to look at, we're going to look why. So he said in, in 1 Peter 5, he said that he'll lift you up in honor. Kind of familiar, same words that he used in Philippians 2, talking about Jesus, that he elevated him to the place of highest honor. And that's in connection to Jesus serving. Okay. Number three, an attitude of servitude will keep me grounded when God lifts me up in honor. An attitude of servitude will keep me grounded. Or I can say it like this, keep me grounded in reality. When God honors me, you know, and this has probably happened to many people in, in, our, in our immaturity. It's happened to me. It's happened to, Anytime God begins using someone, and a lot of times God's gifting can outpace personal development. You know what I mean by that? There can be a gift without personal development, without personal character development. And people, whoo, look at the gift. Whoo, look at the gift. But, you know, the gift can open the door. The character is going to keep you in the place. So, an attitude of servitude will keep me grounded when God lifts me up, when He begins to give me influence, when He begins to use me. Uh, an attitude of servitude will keep me grounded in reality. And let me show you what I mean by this. Uh, in, in, in Acts, I mean, this is just days after Jesus, you know, probably about 40 days after Jesus went to the cross and because he appeared to his disciples during the 40-day time and he gave them instructions and, and, and then he ascended to heaven. But then the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. You all know that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out and they were all filled with the Spirit. And Peter came out of that upper room and he began to preach. He began to preach, and, and that day, 3,000 people got saved. How many of that's That's some influence. 3,000 people got saved, and, uh, and then just a couple of days later, 5,000 more got, this are just men. They didn't count the women and the children. Wouldn't go over too good these days. <laughs> right? And so, that, and so thousands of people are getting saved thousands of people. And I mean and the apostles had so much influence. God had given them so much influence that that people were selling land. They were selling houses and they were bringing the money from the sale of land and houses and just putting it at the apostles' feet and trusting the apostles to to distribute. That's influence. Isn't it? Now Peter do Peter's preaching and all these miracles and signs and wonders going on and I mean these apostles if they weren't if they weren't grounded in reality they think man look at us all this money coming in we're something else we're big time right and how many of you know that pride goes right before what a fall or destruction. And so I want you to notice this. Now, turn over, if you would, to Acts the 14th chapter, and I think you'll see it even clearer here why it's so important that, that we develop this attitude of servitude so we'll be grounded. I'll show you why it's so important in Acts the 14th chapter. And I'm saying this, you know, God will always prepare us for what's coming up. He'll he'll prepare you individually for what's coming up. He'll prepare us as a church, is what's coming up. And so, why would he be talking to us about this? Because he's trying to get us ready for what he wants to do. And what does he want to do? He wants to lift us up in honor, not so that we can, oh, look at us, we're lifting up in honor. No, so that we can have greater influence in our family, on our job, in our community. So this church can have greater influence, right? He wants to lift us up in honor. He wants to give us greater influence and he's showing us the path. He's showing us the way. Now in Acts the 14th chapter, Paul and Barnabas in verse eight, it says they were at Lystra, and Paul and Barnabas came upon a man and they they had been preaching there and they came upon a man uh, with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached and looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So, so Paul called to him in a loud voice. He said, stand up. And the man jumped up to his feet and started walking. That'd get some folks' attention, right? You know what some preachers would do right then, don't you? It would receive an offering. It's funny, but that's what some would do. And that is the absolutely wrong thing to do. they just receive an offering right there. And they'd probably get a big one. Right? So he started walking. And verse 11 says, And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, These men are gods. You know what some preachers would do? Almost. (laughs) Pretty close to being a god. And then they would take up an offering. (laughs) And probably get a big one. They said, these men are gods. They're they're gods in in, in human form. And they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus. Zeus. And that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates. And they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. Why? Because God had lifted them up in honor. But along with the honor comes a temptation to receive the glory. God can lift you up in honor. You're never to take the glory. Well, that's good. He'll give, he will show you the path to greater honor. But it's the attitude of servitude that will keep you grounded in reality. So, you keep on serving. You keep on breaking rank and going lower instead of going higher. Amen. And so they were going to do these sacrifices in verse 14. But when when the apostles Barnabas and Paul, Paul and Saul, Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, what are you doing? We're humans just like you. This is, I, 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 I don't feel like I'm getting this across good, so the Holy Spirit's gonna have to help us. This, servitude is the path to honor, to great, it was in Jesus. What did it say? that he humbled himself and became like a servant, and God highly exalted him, exalted him to the highest place of honor. Why? Because he humbled himself. He humbled himself. Jesus broke rank, and he went low. And if you and I want to be exalted to the higher places of honor, we'll have to go low and serve. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, isn't this interesting, though? So along with this honor, people will begin to look at you different. And it's very important that you and I don't enjoy it when people look at us different. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) Y'all, that is so good. Because all that is, is pride. It's just pride. And when we, when we decide that, hey, you know what, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna serve. It keeps us grounded in reality. You know what, I'm not the big shot. Jesus is the big shot. And like my, you know, my, my mother-in-law, she was telling her husband, talking about, you know, you know, God can speak. He can speak through anybody. He can use anybody. She said, "Ray, Wait, what was that? What was that prophet's name? Was it? Was it Balaam?" Okay. Should I say it? Yeah, yeah I should say it. <laughs> you know how the Balaam's donkey spoke to him, right? She said, "Ray, if God can speak through a donkey's ass, He can talk to you." I didn't make that up, y'all. I just look just now getting it. No. <laughs> No, see, Jesus. Jesus is the big shot. Jesus is the big deal. Jesus is the king of kings. Jesus is the one we want people to honor. Jesus is the one who is to be famous, not us. And so when he lifts us up in honor, people will look at us different. You cannot enjoy that. You cannot, you cannot enjoy that, not even for a second. Is good. Good yeah. Yeah. Are you listening? Where's yeah. yeah. that, Pat? You know, you don't have to worry about me. I don't even hear from God. God had ever used me. You don't have to worry about that. There is an irresistible path to God's honor where he would have to violate his word not to lift you up. And that's if you served, he said that he would honor you. And then, I mean, you do that, and then all of a sudden he honors you and lifts you up. I mean, he, he does that. You've got to be ready for the next thing. People looking at you different. I've had people say, oh, Pastor Chuck, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. And I'm thinking, they won't even remember it next week. Because <laughs> I won't even remember it the next week. That's why we got notes. <laughs> Let me show you how important this is. When Jesus, go to Luke 22, when Jesus began to talk to his disciples there in John 13 about serving, about the attitude of servitude, when he began to talk to them, they had no idea what was planned for them. They had no idea the scope of the influence, the power and authority they would possess. They had no idea. And if Jesus would have told them what was up, if he had told them the plan I mean this ragtag, uneducated group of fishermen that he was about to unleash on the world and they were going to be the leaders of a global enterprise that was going to be a fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham thousands of years before to bless the nations, if they had known that, they would have doubted that. Yeah. And so what Jesus did, he said, I'm just going to set them up for us. Guys, you seen what I've done? In serving, you serve. You serve. Cultivate this heart of a servant. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. Cultivate it. I mean, he just, and he showed it, just laid it out for him. So in Luke 22, this is so powerful. And verse 25, Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lord it over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. In other words, this day that you're in, it's going to be different. He said, guys, I know all you've seen is the kings and those who are in charge. They lord it over their people. They, they're large and in charge. They, are the boss and the buck stops here. That's what you've seen. That's all you've had modeled before you. He said, that's the way it's been. But among you, it will be different. It's a new day. It's going to require a new way. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. And then he asked him a question, a couple of them. He said, who's more important? The one who sits at the table Or the one who serves? So who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? No, it's not. (laughs) Jesus answered the question. He said, the one who sits at the table, of course. Because that's the way they were thinking. Who's more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Jesus, the one who sits at the table, of course. That's what you've heard your whole life. That's what you've seen modeled your whole life. But not here. Not in this group. Not among my followers. Not in this day that you're going into. Not here. Not now. I am one among you. Who serves. How many of you, it doesn't get more important than Jesus. Doesn't get greater than Jesus. Doesn't get more awesome than Jesus. And yet he served. Now notice this verse 28. You have stayed with me in my time of trial. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Now get this. This is the whole reason that he's telling this. And you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They had no idea. They had no idea what God was setting them up for. Can you imagine? He said, you're going to be sitting on thrones. Because they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, guys, stop. The greatest among you is the one who serves. Okay, sir, we'll we'll serve. They had no idea that their future would be sitting on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He didn't talk to them like this. This was the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You say, well, Pastor Chuck, that's them. What about me? What about you? You ever heard of the millennial reign of Christ? It's the age that follows the age that we're in. It's the day that follows the day that we're in. Where Jesus will rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. And the word says that we will reign with him. Reign over what? Reign over who? I mean, if you're going to rain, you got to rain over something. You can't rain over nothing. Are you listening? God, this is, this is so important. You remember this parable? Jesus, he talks about that. He who is faithful in little is going to be given authority or stewardship over much. One time he said, if you're faithful with little, you're going to be put in charge over. X amount of cities, reign over what? There's gonna be natural people on the earth forever, forever. There's gonna be natural people. They're not saved, they're just natural people. Well, I thought the wor- world was gonna to be torched. No, no, it's not. This earth will be here forever. There'll be natural people on this earth forever. So I thought we was going to go and be with Jesus in heaven forever. The Bible doesn't say you're going to be in heaven forever. So it doesn't? It doesn't. It's quiet in here. (laughs) Well, I thought we was just going to... No. (laughs) No. not going to float around and flap our little wings. <laughs> not going to do any of that. We're going to rule and reign with him. But it begins here. Because it's not going to be that large and in charge mentality. It's going to be a spirit of humility and serving and righteousness and justice In perfection. And he's getting us ready for it. And he told them, you're going to sit on thrones. Where are you going to be? And it's not automatic. Because he that's faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to serve. He that is faithful to humble himself. He that is faithful to serve. This is so important. This is the pathway to honor. This is the pathway to promotion. This is the pathway, and this is the, I mean, this is necessary to keep you grounded in reality. I hope you're hungry for this, because, you know, one thing's for certain. If you humble yourself and you serve, you'll be exalted. You'll be lifted up in honor. I mean, he just, I mean, there's no escaping it. Yeah, I mean, God's just going to do it. He's just going to do it. You're going to be lifted up in honor. You're going to be given more influence. You're going to be given a greater voice. You're going to be given greater equipment. You're going to be given greater anointing. You're going to be given greater, a lot of things, but it's your humility that'll keep you grounded. You know, as long as, was it King Saul? we got to quit. Was it King Saul? as long as he thought himself small in his own eyes, he did great things. But the minute he got the big head, it turned south. Moses was the most used man in his generation. He was also the most humble man of his generation. There's a connection. So here's the question for us as we close. What if you, you just make a decision, you know what, I'm going to find somebody to serve. I'm I'm, going to look for an opportunity to serve somebody. And it, it may be somebody that's not like me, they don't look like me, and, and this kind of sounds mean when you say it out loud, maybe they're not on your same level, or so you think. <laughs> it's a bad way to even think, right? It's a bad way to think. You, you see, in this whole thing, he said, don't think of yourself better than anybody. Well, my mom always told me, honey, don't you let anybody tell you they're better than you are. Y'all heard that? It's not about somebody being better. It's about you treating people like they're better than you. doesn't mean they are. Just treat them like they are. That's serving. That's so what if you found somebody or found something, a cause? I mean, you could serve people. What if we did that together as a church? We just made a decision, you know what? We're going to serve. We're going to serve people. When people walk through this door, we're going to serve them. We're going to love them. They may not look like us, they may not dress like us. They might have colored hair. Christy, is she in here? She got color hair sometimes. <laughs> they may not have the same amount of money as we do. They may not dress like we do, but it doesn't really matter. They might have a different color skin. It doesn't really matter. You see, it's these things We're event. You know, I was at a pastor's meeting the other day, and I'm closing. This is important. I was at a pastor's meeting and just some area pastors here, and they had some occasionally during election season, they'll bring in some candidates and just let them give their spill to us. And, and, uh, One of the the persons who were running for an office, because in our pastor's meeting, it's about half of us are white, half half are black. It's been like that for years. Get along, love each other. And uh, one of the politicians said, I can tell y'all just really worked hard at this. Y'all just really, I mean, to have this group here, y'all really worked hard. We're all kind of looking at each other like, no, we haven't. We haven't worked hard at this. When you got something in you, you're not working hard to produce something that's fake. Not working to produce something that's fake. It was not hard work at all. I mean, it's just, it just when you got God's love in you, it's not an effort to love somebody and treat somebody with respect. It's just not an effort to do it. Of course, nobody voiced that. We just kind of looked at each other like, I don't remember us working hard at that one day. All I remember is us getting together, praying together, loving each other, laughing together, eating eggs and sausage together, <laughs> praying over our city together. Not a struggle. It's not hard work. It becomes hard work when there's nothing there. When there's nothing there. Isn't that good? So we begin to cultivate this attitude of servitude. You know what? i got God's love in me. I can love anybody. I can serve anybody. doesn't matter who they are. It's the path phew, to higher honor and influence. Will you stand with me? I just think we just need to lift our hands to him and ask him to help us. Father, in Jesus' name, show us, show us how to yield to your love in us in a greater way so that we can serve in a greater way. Father, if our, if our thinking has been wrong and skewed and just tradition and passed down and, and it's not pleasing to you, show us. We're open to you. Lord, I pray for this church. Father, I pray that you would, as we serve, as we serve each other and as we serve everyone who comes through these doors and as we serve those that you lead us to, as our influence increases and you put us in places of greater honor may you always be the most seen the most talked about the most applauded for you are worthy of it all Move in us powerfully. Move in our hearts in a powerful way. And Father, as the world is clamoring, clamoring to heal the racial divide, May we live in such a way to show the world. Show the world. That it doesn't take effort to love. It doesn't take effort to respect. But it flows from our hearts. I ask you. Jesus' name. Father, if there's anyone in here today who's never made Jesus the Lord of their life, I ask that you speak to them. Draw them to yourself right now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here this morning, you've never given Jesus your whole heart and your whole life. But you want to do that, just lift your hand right now. We'll pray for you. You don't have to come to the front. You don't have to. We're not going to put a sticker on you. Just thank you I see your hand. Just lift your hand so I can see it. Awesome. Everybody pray this prayer with me out loud. So dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for showing me the way to greater influence, to impact your kingdom. Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for putting your love in my heart. Amen. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right?